All right, Justin. A through Z. Man, hit me with some good news, man. I've been away. I've been away on Vegas, you know, doing wrestling stuff at cons and all of this kind of crazy stuff. Hanging out with a bunch of nerds, throwing people around in the ring. I need to catch up on my news, man. Do you got anything for me? Yeah, you just got to pick a letter still, though. Just any letter. A through what, Z. D or E? D. No, that's go. what I'm saying is you could pick W. Oh, I'm just I saying could, any letter, uh, A through Z. Oh, yeah, I could pick. Let's go with X then. X is always a good letter. Well, everybody loves X. That's let's good. Do, let's do that. Because I've kind of got like a, like an X factor type of news story today. You know, just kind okay. of that random news story. That's still a very big deal that I don't think enough people are talking about. Um, Recently, recently in Dusseldorf, Germany, we have recorded the fifth person cured of HIV. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah. it's it, That's I mean, great news. And the unfortunate thing is it's an incredibly taxing and hard treatment to, like, do. You can't, like, mass produce this treatment because it has to do with um, there's a gene that's uh, relatively prevalent in uh, people of Scandinavian descent that more or less makes you resistant and nor immune to HIV. Because mm. the way the HIV virus attacks your white blood cells, this does uh, this gene, it changes your white blood cells. Therefore, HIV can't actually do that to them or makes it harder for them at least. And mm. so the only way to really cure somebody of HIV as of right now is to, if they have HIV and then also get bone cancer. So then you have to treat them with stem cells or bone marrow from somebody that has that gene. Hmm. So like the chemo and everything wipes out their immune system. Then you give them bone marrow or stem cell treatments from somebody that has that gene that makes them resistant or immune to HIV. So the new white blood cells that then grow back in the person are now resistant. So the HIV then can't reproduce and or eat anything. Wow. Yes. So they actually came up with this by accident. So, yes. Yes, it was just, yeah, you can see how some of that circumstantial stuff. Yeah, it was a man. Just led to a crazy, just an amazing result. It all started because a man with HIV had like lymphoma or whatever the bone marrow cancer one is. And so then they did the normal cancer treatments and it, they just happened to get somebody that has this one gene and it wasn't even intentional. It was an accidental thing. And then all of a sudden, like he goes to do like, you know, HIV checkup to tech, uh, check T cells and all that shit. And all of a sudden it's not there. Everything's kind of like no HIV. And then they kind of started backtracking things and they were like, holy shit, we've accidentally done this. So, Wow. Yeah. But we have the fifth actual case of it, at least not substantially coming back. Like it, I mean, there's always a theoretical chance it could come back or whatever, or it's just so low count that they can't detect it at the moment. But there's nothing, you know, for all, you know, most tests and all this other stuff. I mean, they're more or less testing HIV negative now. Wow. Like confirmed. So not suspiciously like magic Johnson. Where he's just all of a sudden just fine. <laughs> just fine. <laughs> but 
Yeah. Like hard confirmed, like at least testing HIV negative. So. Let's see, there's some good news for you. Wow. That was good news. That's hopeful. Hopeful. I mean, yeah, on yeah. top of that, like, and, and one of the reasons why it's not even a viable treatment other than all the other crazy bullshit you have to do for it is also the fact that, like, you remember, like, back in the 80s and early 90s and shit like that, whenever they'd show you, like, HIV treatments, it was, like, 97 pills they had to take a day. Yeah. That's more or less that. been dropped down to two. <laughs> They've got, like, the way, H, uh, like, HIV medications and antivirals and stuff like that. They've got it to like two pills a day at this point. And it's relatively effective, like even more so than the 97 pills it was before. And that is one reason why like HIV kind of dropped out of being like the big scary beast that it was is because you're actually relatively easy to treat it and live a long life. It's not a death sentence anymore, Hmm. you know? And then with all the medications like prep and stuff like that, that then allow you to have intimacy and in, in, in contact with partners and not spread it to them because they're on prep medication and stuff like that. That's a plus, like that's helped benefit things and, you know, kind of made it to where it's not a death sentence for, you know, partners and, you know, like your wife and stuff like that. And then you could still have a relatively normal marriage and stuff like that or relationship or however it is, you know what I mean? You can still, you know, which does help lead to, better mental health aspects when it comes to diseases like this, which always does help, you know, the physical outcomes of things. If, you know, you're able to live a relatively normal and positive life, you know, that always helps you whenever you have bad diseases, you know? Yeah. So, you know, there is that, but it's just like, it's crazy that like within our lifetimes, it's gone from death sentence to, you know, with no, with no possible cure and, you know, you is just you're fucked. So actually now it's normal and we can treat it and we can even cure it. Like, you know, we haven't done it on a mass scale, but it's crazy. Like five people have still been cured of HIV. I'm like, holy fuck. So yeah, good positive news for today. And with that, and with that too, I do want to say you guys might be going, Hey, Why wasn't there an episode last week? Well, the plan was to do Magic Mike 3, The Last Dance. But on the night that we, me and Heather were supposed to record, because Justin, like you said, was in Vegas doing all that stuff. I, uh, we, uh, I ended up having a veterinary emergency with some of my cats or one of my cats, I should say, be a little bit more specific with that. And if you remember the end of the knock at the cabin episode, like I said, I'd let all of humanity die for my cats. So Unfortunately, a podcast episode kind of had to die for, you know, me taking medical care of one of my cats. Uh, But we will probably do that episode at some point. It doesn't mean it's lost forever and that it'll never happen. I have a distinct feeling and a distinct desire to still do a Magic Mike 3 episode at some point. So, you know, it will still happen. It just is delayed. So, but with all that, let's start this episode. You. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. 
Cinema Slayers. Hey, fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by just Justin. Heather's taking a little vacation, but don't worry. We have a written statement from her that we, we will read later. Um, but with all that, we will be talking about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. And with all of that, Sterling, he'll go first. <laughs> uh, my spoiler-free thoughts on this. Um, You know... This movie had a lot of bad press leading up to it. Not like bad as in, oh, this actor did this or there's this or there's this controversy. I just mean, apparently people weren't liking it. It It's being perceived very poorly. I will say this. I don't think this movie is quite as bad, like quality-wise. As people are saying it is. But I will say. It's very boring though still. It's still very boring. I don't think the quality is bad. You know I think this movie is roughly getting rated roughly the same as the Eternals did. And I was thinking about it and I'm like. I don't think this movie is as bad as the Eternals was. It might be a little bit more boring than the Eternals was though. It's that weird balance. But the quality, I I think, at least narratively speaking, it made more sense than the fucking Eternals did. I don't think it said much. But it's I, I, I still think it was more cohesive. It's it's a very weird movie. Cause I didn't hate it. I was still just bored out of my ever-loving fucking mind. And I think I know how to fix it. This is going to be weird, too. And I won't go into spoilers yet, but I will say this. It also involves lengthening the time of this movie a little bit. As weird as it may sound. I think you could add six or seven minutes to this movie. Putting it well over two hours. Like, you put it at, like, two hours and 15 minutes. But you, what you do with that little bit of time... I think would have totally saved this movie. And I'll run that by you in spoilers. But I will say this. Michelle Pfeiffer. Bruno Mars was right. You are that white gold. Fucking fantastic <laughs> in this movie. Killed it. Fucking fantastic. Jonathan Majors. Once again, sir. Didn't let me down a second. Killed it. And then, you know, apparently there's other people in the movie. Oh, what, uh, what's her name? Uh, girl to play Cassie. She was fine. I actually really liked her. I mean, I guess Paul Rudd's in this movie. You, you see his face. You get zero of his charm. They went, hey, let's do something other movies don't do. Let's have Paul Rudd and just have him not be charming. Have him just be there saying lines. And then you know you have a, a what's her name? Evangeline Lilly. She's in this movie, I guess. Barely. <laughs> I know that there's a lot of animosity between her and Disney. And don't get me wrong. 
I kind of side with Disney. Because, you know, when COVID started, man, she was real boastful talking about how her kids can't possibly stay, you know, in a house and they have to go outdoors and do all the shit. And everybody's like, well, nobody's fucking telling you, you know, your kids can't be outside. Just stay away from other people. But, you know, she's like, no, (laughs) it's just a cold. And my kids, they can't possibly not go to kid yoga and do all this shit. And it's like, get the fuck out of here with that level of ungodly, unforeseen privilege. Wow, this I did not know. Oh, That's yeah. interesting. And then, you know, when there's like some protests about COVID protocols and and protests, you know, weirdness about vaccines and whatnot, you know, Evangeline Lilly might not have been posting much then, but she made sure her fucking stupid face was there. God, I fucking hate, I hate that shit. And I mean, anybody that knows me or has listened to other episodes of this podcast should not be surprised. I take a lot of umbrage with those types of things, especially, you know, because some of the same doctors that were saying like, hey, COVID's bad, get vaccinated, let's save lives, are the same people that cured fucking HIV. So just fuck off. They've cured HIV. We just got to talking about the fifth time it's happened. Holy fuck. These guys are miracle workers. Listen to them sometimes. I mean, I guess some people confuse some of this stuff with like being like pro big medical companies. No, those are all scumbags too. Don't get me wrong. But there are certain things they do produce because more or less the government has mandated they produce them, you know, kind of like vaccines that are very beneficial to our everyday life. I get it. Everybody wants to bring up like Pfizer, you know, being fined like billions of dollars for the, you know, lying about medicines and blah, 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 and not doing the right clinical trials and lying about shit. Yeah. Scumbags. I've never once said big medical companies are great. I said medicine is. So that's why Evangeline Lilly is a fuckhead. I'm not really bothered by her lack of being in this movie, but it's weird that, there's a lack of her being in this movie, but she's in so many scenes. She's in so many scenes, but just doesn't do anything for what? 98.7% of the movie does nothing. You know, she barely in it. So it's just that weird thing of what is she in it just for con- like Disney's just like, well, fuck we have to, or, you know, we'll get sued for contract or something. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the weirdest thing. You know, and then, I mean, I guess Michael Douglas was fine, I guess. I mean, he was kind of just Michael Douglas. (laughs) I mean, I guess he did what the role asked him to do, and it's just not that exciting of a role. I don't know. It's just, he was there, you know. Uh, it's And that's kind of just this movie. You've got two amazing awesome performances and then just a bunch of people there. And I'm like, that's cool, I guess. So, I mean, and the thing is, is like, there are some good things in this movie and mainly it's Michelle Pfeiffer and Jonathan Majors. Just like, I mean, they were just leaps and bounds better than everybody else in this movie. Like you could tell that when they wrote this movie, they went, 
oh, we're going to give all the character development and all the nuance and all the great little things that actors love to do to these two people. And they went, you know, there's other people in this movie. And they're like, yeah, they'll be there. That's fine. You know, it's it's very perplexing. I Like I said, I didn't end up hating this movie as much as I think some people did or what was the perceived perception of this movie. Still didn't necessarily like it. Still really didn't have like a good fun time at the movies. It's like, it's very, it's very dreary. Even visually speaking, there's a lot of colors, but there's this like weird haze or filter over the entire movie where there's a lot of colors, but they're so muted and flat. They don't really have any vibrancy to them. So I'm just like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get some of the choices they made in this movie. Uh, You know, that's really it, though. That's my spoiler-free thoughts. Justin, what about you? Well, um, I don't know. Maybe this will be a surprise, but normally I'm kind of the person who, I guess, champions these movies more than you and Heather have, or at least lately, I definitely have been, especially the last phase. I feel like I was more positive on most of the movies and the TV shows than probably you guys more were, it, just cumulatively At speaking. least the movies. Yeah. I was, I've, yeah. I've yeah, been very like high the on the TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys definitely like the TV as much as me, I guess I could say, or almost as much. You weren't yeah. really, you weren't too keen on Moon Knight. Or what if. Me, yeah, or Those what are the if. two, that I... Everything else I thought was great. The, they ended strong. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. She-Hulk and Miss Marvel. Home runs. Yeah. I saw that poster for the Marvels. I'm kind of excited about that one, but then I they don't push know. It. After- <laughs> then they push it yeah. by four months. The one fucking Marvel movie I'm probably excited about in the next, like, four years. And they, like, push it. I'm like, fuck it off, man. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind of excited about that, though. I may have to taper some of my excitement, uh, especially after watching this, because um, one conclusion that I've arrived to, I guess, after watching this, that maybe took a little longer for me to to arrive to because of just my fandom for this and comic books and everything like that, or, or maybe really because I know comics, I should know this. But it's a weird realization I'm making now about the movies. Not every character or characters can do a story of the scale that I feel like this film was trying to do. I hope that that makes sense. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I feel like you finally understand me. I feel like you finally see this. It doesn't always work in the comics because there are just certain characters that are just better when they are involved with other characters or other groups of characters, or they have other characters that they can bounce off of that we're more interested in, or we find more compelling. Uh, So this often happens in the comics. There are stories in the comics that I'm not high on, Because the main character is a character that I know of that I kind of like, but they try to bring all this big scale and 
involve him in all of these things. And I'm sitting there going, man, I don't know if this was the right story for this character. I don't know if this was the scale we needed. I miss this. This character is better when it's low level, when it's not as much going on for as far as the fate of the world and armies and all of this kind of stuff. This character is a little bit better when it's just more focused on that character and it's something a little more low level and we can just get into the personality of that character and the little quirks that make that character who they are. So uh, it's kind of like saying like it would have been weird if Daredevil showed up in Infinity War or in game. Exactly. You want you you you're fine with Daredevil. You want to see him fight street level crime and all that shit. Like he belongs there. Completely fine. You know, Captain America. Sure, he can fight Thanos. You know, it's it's that yeah. type of logic. I I one hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So this move. So to this movie. I think that was probably the biggest problem that just kept lingering in the back of my head watching this. This felt, for lack of a better term, too big for Ant-Man. This felt too big for him, man. It's fucking King. Yeah. It's King the fucking Conqueror. Yeah. And I know that, and I'm going to have to like, so I'm not going to, But with that being said, this is kind of, we're still, I think, anyway, are sort of in the beginning stages of kind of understanding, Kang, what this is and what exactly is it that we're going to be doing. I still feel like we know we're going to fight him, but we're still in the beginning stages of understanding what Kang is or and everything like that. And I'll say more in the spoilers because I don't want to like, because there were some revelations that were made that I think compound that a little bit more, the thoughts that I'm having about that. But still, this movie felt like something that needed the Avengers. But instead of the Avengers, we have we have Ant-Man, we have the Wasp, we have Ant-Man's daughter, and we have the OG, you know, Michael Douglas, we have the OG... Ant-Man and Wasp and him and Michelle Pfeiffer. And with, we have a bunch of other characters and let's just say, these are not the Avengers. This is not even the B team Avengers. This is not even the C team. This is like, you are going deep on the bench. Like this is like you, this is like the X level Avengers. Yeah. This is like X level. Like this is like you having to go into the Super Bowl and all of your first and second stringers are out. You're playing a third string quarterback. You're playing a, a freaking, you know, some people you you that were on the practice squad the other day are out there and they're all playing in the Super Bowl. That's what this felt like at times. It, I, I can't put it. I think I can't put it any better than that. So with that being said, did I like this better than... Um, something like Eternals. Yes. Uh, everything that you said, I feel is on point with that. Narratively, it is better than the Eternals. It does make more sense than the Eternals, but these characters just aren't as compelling, man. So these dramatic scenes and these things that the, that the movie is trying to make me care about, it, only some of those things landed. Not all of them didn't land, 
But only some of those things land with me because I'm just like, well, this character, I, I just, I'm, I'm just not feeling it for this character. You know, all these Ant-Man movies, and I never felt this way for this character. And the movie just had trouble getting me to feel a certain way about those characters now. Um, also, I missed characters from the other Ant-Mans. You know, there were there are characters in the other Ant-Mans, and I missed them. I really did. I missed them. I think that they were definitely missing here. Some of his Ant-Man crew and stuff like that. Um, so, so those characters I really feel are missing. I really missed a lot of the older characters from the Ant-Man series. Some of those side characters, they were definitely missed in this movie. Um, but I will say for everything that it is, I am excited about Kang the Conqueror. Jonathan Majors really did do an amazing job. And like you said, Michelle Pfeiffer was the one, her character was really the one that got a lot of the nuance. They got a lot of character development. Like Janet really got a lot to do in this movie. So I really appreciated her. So, and those elements of the story, I think really work. Those elements of the story make me excited. So even though not everything with this movie hit with me, there there were some parts that I thought were funny. There was, there are some parts where I thought were charming and entertaining. And I like some of the daddy daughter stuff with Scott Lang and all of that stuff. I mean, not all of that was bad to me. Some of that really did bring a human element to what well, is a CGI smorgasbord yeah. of well, stuff happening. One issue I had though, <laughs> is that the, the trailer makes it seem like that is going to be the biggest theme ever in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's what 15 minutes of this beginning is really kind of it. And then it's kind of solved. Like, yeah, it's so yeah. weird with that. I agree. It, Those scenes were nice. But it's like you get that weird dynamic in the movie. You feel like at the end, he's beating the fuck out of Ant-Man, being like, I could have given you time with your daughter. And it, not really an issue at that point in the movie. Just not. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, that got solved real yeah. quick. Yeah, it, it just didn't quite have the oomph that it needed to have. And I do think that some of these writers and some of these directors do struggle. Now, some of these writers and directors I think do understand balancing the comedy with the seriousness. There are some movies in Mar in these with these Marvel movies that they balance those things perfectly. Uh, this is not one of them. Um, there are definitely times where it's like starting to get kind of serious, or or Jonathan Majors will be on screen and Kang is talking seriously, and he's got such a presence to him and a, a way about him. And they really cut all of those comedic quippy things when it came to his character. So he's very strong when he's on scene. And then we cut to that. And then we've got Modoc saying some dumb shit, or we've got, you know, somebody just, or <laughs> um, serum. We, we can understand the aliens, man saying something weird. Like, you know, and 
did all of those scenes not work for me? No, some of them. Okay. I, I got, they, they got some chuckles out of me, but man, this just, but overall, man, this just wasn't it. it it's okay. It's serviceable. You know, is it, it, I enjoyed it probably about as much, maybe a little bit more than love and thunder. Which which none of us were really high on, but I think I probably enjoyed this a little more. But yeah, it does drag. There's a lot they have to exposit because you're setting up this whole place that we haven't been. Um, and while some of it was cool to look at, some of the CGI I I thought was good, but there's there's some of it that's not good. Uh, some of that being Modoc. All of it being Modoc, maybe. Um, uh, I mean, I've got a love hate relationship with this Modoc because, like, it kind of looks like shit. But then at the same time, is there a way to make Modoc look good? Yeah. And so I struggle with that too. It's like, well, of course, this character was probably going to look like this because, I mean, look how he looks in the comments. Is there any good way to make him look? So, yeah, I totally side with you on that. And I had that thought constantly during the movie, but it was just like, uh, okay, you know, um, but, but yeah, I, but I did, but I will say that I, I think it's better than love and thunder. It's better than what the critics are saying. I don't think it's a 42 or 40 something percent movie. I I wouldn't say that. Come on guys. It's not that bad. This is not abysmal bad, but definitely these characters could not handle the scale of this. This, these characters are not built for this man. Like these characters are better when it's lower level, when it's smaller scale and they can be funny and whimsical and we can interact with some of their earth friends that were missing from this movie. Like I, I just think Ant-Man is better when he's, on the ground where ants belong. I don't know if he belongs up in the quantum realm trying to take on Kang. I just, I didn't quite buy it, man. So hopefully in the later installments and as we get a better understanding of this Kang and this adversary and what we're doing, I'm, I'm hoping we, I just feel like we're going to get much better movies than this. This didn't make me hopeless about Marvel but it certainly shows me that, man, you got to have the right characters to tell this kind of story. You can't just put any characters in this kind of scale and it work because I don't believe that this completely works. I agree. And I, I've got my theory, too, of why I fell out of love with the MCU a while ago. And why I think, and it ties into why I think you also don't like this. It kind of ties together. I think, because I didn't really put my thumb to completely on what the issue was until like a week ago, it just clicked. Like, oh, I know exactly why I've fallen out of the MCU. And it, it's funny that your reasons why you don't like this tie so much into that. Um, and we'll get into that. Uh, recommendations and scores though? Sure. Recommendations? And score. Uh, let's go ahead. I'll start. I'll start by reading Heather's. We'll cool. start with that. Okay. So Heather says, "Unfortunately, I found the pacing fucking lacking." 
because it seemed like it was all basically one fucking act, making it a bit on the boring side. It also seemed to lack some conviction with more serious moments. But visually, it was well done. It felt like Jonathan fucking Majors and Michelle fucking Pfeiffer (laughs) were acting in a different movie than everyone else because their performances definitely elevated this fuck fest of a film for me. But that being said, Paul Rudd is still delightful. I don't, I don't agree. The movie itself was just fine. Not MCU's best, but not their fucking worst. 50 Modocs thinking he's an Avenger out of a hundred. Wow, Heather, you had some strong feelings in this one. Wow. And didn't bother recommending it. She just kind of left it 50-50. So I guess it's it's a toss-up for her. <laughs> you is. see it, if you see it, you see it. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> Take it or leave it, buddy. Yeah, but she got pal. more impassioned. I've never heard her curse that much in my life. Jeez. Yeah, man. What's with all the sailor talk, Heather? We're going to have to talk to you, man. I know. Spending too much time on the sea. Right? <laughs> Jeez. Um, uh, you go ahead. Uh, is it bad enough to where I, d- I won't recommend it? No, it's not. So I'll at least give it that. Um, I mean, but I can't recommend it with any excitement. I mean, sure, you should see it because I, I've, but I feel like you should see it because, you know, if, if Kang is going to be the big bad, I think it's worth seeing for him to, to see Jonathan Majors and to see how this thing starts and everything like that. I, I I found all of that to be interesting and probably the most amazing part of this movie that didn't do much amazing, but if it did do something amazing, it was that it was kind of giving us more of Kang the Conqueror. So man, I really hope that this can become, uh, it has the potential to come to become something great. But all it is right now is potential. Um, but 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 that's probably so it edges. So even though I didn't like all of this movie, a lot of this movie, uh, it's going to edge out and get at least a yes recommendation from me for those things. I think there I think there's more to like here than there is to hate. And I will at least give the movie that um, as far as a score we'll go with we'll we'll go with 60. Um, f- feelings of joy at the realization that you have holes out of a hundred. That was such a weird joke that they just had going throughout that movie. Yes. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily recommend it per se because I kind of feel like if you're so inclined, you're going to watch it. You know, me saying something negative about a Marvel movie at this point is not going to sway anybody unless you're already feeling that way. Because, I mean, I've what the last movie Marvel movie I liked, I genuinely liked was what Shang-Chi. The last one I thought was great was Miss Marvel. I mean, it's been a minute since I've really just really dug a Marvel movie. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to recommend it, but at the same time, I mean, you know, if you've got two hours to kill, I guess, 
just don't be tired when you go to see the movie. Make sure you're well rested. Because otherwise, you might fall like into a little sleepy sleep. Um, I'll give it 49. Michelle Pfeiffer still fucking got it out of 100. It's got to be one under 50-50 for me. I can't completely get to a 50. <laughs> it's not it's it's not quite there. Um but that does make our official Cinescore for this movie a 53. Okay. So, that's the official with that. And also real quick before we go to spoilers, look. This right here is the cat that I had to take and do all the vet shit with. She's now my second most expensive cat. Well, she looks like a lot better than everything that you described. So, yes, she is a lot I guess better. That's good. It was, yeah, it was like on, on Friday night in all seriousness, we thought she was just going to die. Like we really thought she was going to die that night because of how she was acting. Um, but yes, she's better. She's on a lot of medications. And like I said, I spent a lot of money. So good little girl. Um, spoilers. Yeah. Oops. I have the channel muted. Let me try that again. Spoilers. Oh, look, we have, we still have a little bit of Heather still <laughs> in our episodes. Um, spoilers. Okay. Real quick, my theory. So, you know how when Marvel does their big, big crossover events, you know, something like Civil War or Secret Invasion, they have like the eight-ish comics or whatever that are like the main storyline. But then yeah. they'll do something that's just like a little... Fantastic Four Secret Invasion that you can read if you're a Fantastic Four fan and it'll kind of tie in, but you don't need to read it to get the overarching story and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I don't, I think Marvel has done a bad job with that in the movies because they've tried to make so like everything essential viewing. Everything ties into something or if it doesn't tie into something, they make it seem like it will tie into something. Like, Eternals doesn't really tie into things. But they really make it seem like that's going to be some big shit later on, though. Mm. You know, you've got Celestials growing out of Earth and Celestials coming to Earth to take people. You know what I mean? So they really make you think it's going to impact shit later. They don't really have any of these stories that are kind of just like, Oh, you know, some shit happens. You can't watch it. If you do, you know, because you like the characters, yeah, you'll get some cool shit. But outside of that, it might not really matter if you watch it. We don't really have that outside of a few of the TV shows. Yeah. Like your Miss Marvel. Now, I know Miss Marvel does tie into, you know, the Marvels later, but at least it's very self-contained. She-Hulk, very self-contained. Hawkeye, very self-contained. You know, it's like those things are like, they're very self-contained. So those are those things. Whereas with the movies, they're like, no, you have to watch every fucking one. Because everyone might have something that ties into a movie that's six movies down the line. So you have to watch it all. I think that that's where they're kind of fucking this up. They're trying to make this Ant-Man movie, which... In earlier phases, in the earlier versions, 
were good little fun movies that you could actually kind of get away with not watching if you just kind of basically understood what Ant-Man was. So yeah, when he showed up in Avengers or Civil War, you were fine. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I know what an Ant-Man is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You didn't have to watch his movies. But if you did, you know, it was a little bit better. This, they're trying to like, you know, they're trying to make it the most essential viewing movie of them like all coming up. You know what I mean? And I think that that's kind of their issue is they're trying to make everything too essential. Especially movie wise. When they've learned long ago in the comics, you don't have to make everything essential. You can just have some shit. Yep. I mean, there's this great little Moon Knight annual. If anybody that doesn't know what an annual is, is essentially an annual is once a year. You get like just a side story or just like it's a big one issue thing that's a very self-contained little story. It might be as typically they're a little more expensive and they're as big as, you know, they might be a double sized or a size or a comic and a half. They're a little bit bigger, but it's a self-contained contained story. There's an issue of Moon Knight, uh, the last annual from 2022, it's 2021 or 2022, where it's like four Moon Knights from throughout the timelines all beat up a King the Conqueror. We all know it's a bunch of bullshit. There's not a Moon Knight running around beating King the Conqueror. But what is it? A little <laughs> self-contained story. It's a fun little thing. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So it's just mm. a fun little thing. And I think the movies have started to get away from that a little bit. They had some like stories that weren't essential, but were good. Like I, I kind of think it was Spider-Man far from home. Isn't that the second one? Yeah. 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 Far from home was kind of that. Yeah. You dealt with some of the ramifications of the ending of Endgame, but for the most part, it's kind of a Spider-Man movie that didn't really have anything that, hugely impacted the MCU outside of, you know, him dealing with Tony's death. So, you know, that was a better version of that. You know? And that's kind of what the Ant-Man movies have been. And that's just not what this one is. And unfortunately, like you were saying, this is the wrong character to do that with. You could do that with the Thor, like the Thor family fighting a King the Conqueror. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's just, it's Ant-Man. Yeah. And it wasn't even like he was like a, like a, a proto-king. Where he was completely just like human, like, or, you know, not completely full powered or whatever. You know what I mean? Like just a basic king. That would have made more sense. This guy goes essentially at least... Full King the Conqueror at times. He's got a ray that disintegrates people. And he kills every no-name fucking person ever with the ray. Ant-Man shows up on the screen. All of a sudden, he doesn't use a disintegration ray? Why, when all the ants show up, is he out? was he out of disintegration bullets? Yeah. It's a weird thing, and I hate it when movies do that. They show the super-powered thing. That just disintegrates things until the hero's there. And then they don't yeah. even try to do it anymore. You know what I yeah. mean? Like There needed to be some sort of explanation, like you said, like he's not at full power or maybe that ship thing or whatever that, that he had and that, um, th- that tool that he was using 
to time travel and stuff. Maybe he hadn't fully got it completed. So his powers hadn't fully returned or maybe whenever he was banished or whatever, that whole story, maybe some of his power diminished and he hadn't quite there's, attained it back. There needed to be something. Oh, there's a, there's a really easy explanation. They could have done like a little one line of like, oh, why doesn't that work on this? And like, you know, then Hank Pym can be like, oh, it's probably because of this. They're not native to the quantum realm. Mm. That's why all the okay. quantum realm people are just getting disintegrated. Ah, they're not native. But- so therefore, they don't disintegrate. They, it's just like an energy blast to them. Yeah. Bam. Like I said, you've got a, what, world-class level scientist in the movie. He can have the one-liner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The powers don't affect us as much because we're not from here. And that would have made a lot of sense. That w- We would have accepted that given that this is where the Kang has been. This is where he's lived. These are the people that he's been around. And this is where his powers have now cultivated. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Could have just said that. Yeah, Boom. but it's, it's it's a wildly inconsistent thing. Also, you know how throughout the movie he was just making like portals and walking through them to other places in the quantum realm. Yeah, why didn't he do that when the ants like first showed up and were about to charge him? Not when they were attacking him, but you know before they got to him. Why didn't he go? Ah, oh, fuck this! I'm gonna go back to my tower and shoot them from there. No, yeah. he makes that dome and all that shit. I'm like, come on, like I get it. Of course, how is Ant-Man going to beat King? Of course, super ants, I guess. You know, if that's the best you got, okay, (laughs) sure. But, like, that was also kind of fucking dumb. Like, it's a weird thing because, to me, it detracts from the fact that, like, yeah, we're going to get a different King. We know this because, you know, we saw, like, 90,000 of them. So we're going to get another King or a different King or a super King or something later. We're going to get it. But it's still kind of weird when you're watching that movie going, yeah, but a king got beat up by a bunch of ants. Exactly. And that's one of the things I was going to say about it is that now we have already seen two kings die. We saw one die in Loki and then we saw one die. But at least that one was, like you said, more of a prototype. He was more of a guy that didn't really have, you know, he was holding the timelines all together and stuff for the TVA and all that shit. But he wasn't sitting there obliterating people. And now we've seen a Kang with powers, like you said, and he got beat by Ant-Man. So we've still, and even though you can say later, oh, this is a different Kang or these three Kangs together are going to combine their powers and become the ultimate, I don't know, Captain Planet Kang or whatever later. And oh, it's going to take the whole Avengers to have to fight him. You know, sure, you can do all of that, but we've already seen a Kang lose. I don't think I would have had him get beat like that. I would have had him escape or I would have had them think they beat him. But at the end, we see he's alive still. Something, man. I just don't. I wouldn't have beat him. They I could wouldn't have killed him. They could have done the typical. He's a like he, you know. Everybody's attacking and he's just like, and he's out there fighting people. And then he's just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to go complete my mission. Go back to the little transporter room thing. And right when he's about to, they sabotage him. Yeah. And that's what beats him is he gets sabotaged. 
They yeah. kind of do that, but also he still kind of physically gets beat by them yeah. on top of it. That's the problem. They do sabotage him and beat him that way, but he's also physically overwhelmed by them for like towards the end of the movie. That's why yeah. it doesn't sell. Yeah, he shouldn't have been. There shouldn't have been this big bloody fist fight with Ant Man. That that doesn't even feel Ant Manny just based on what 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 we've seen. I think that, like I said, it was just a bit much for this character, man. This is not the character that I want to see punch going punch for punch with Kang and bleeding and all of that kind of shit. Now, granted, Kang was very depowered at that point, so I get the narrative of the movie. But I don't know if that's what needed to happen. I would rather see Ant-Man beaten within an inch of his life and Kang having an easy time with him. And then some one of these 8 million scientists you have in this movie does something to outsmart him or outmaneuver him or make him fall into a portal somewhere. And he's like, where the fuck am I? Something to me would have made more sense than a fist fight with Ant-Man. Yeah. Because you still could have the line when he's like, you could never beat me. And he's like, well, I'm not here to beat you. I'm here to distract you. And then Kang goes, dude, the, it's, I know it's a cliche thing, but then he goes, what? Sabotage. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Something. You can but, keep that line. So like, yeah, Scott's just getting his ass kicked and he's just doing it because he's like, I have to do something. And I guess it means get my ass kicked for five minutes while Hank and Janet and, you know, and hope go, you know, my daughter go sabotage this shit because they're all incredibly world-class scientists. And I'm a guy that shoplifts. So I'll get <laughs> exactly. my ass kicked for a while. Exactly. So they can so, beat him. So that that way in the later movies, when Kang is coming, Ant-Man is scared as hell. And like, man, dude, I barely got away from this guy. This guy, uh, you know... To, to you know, almost uh, I was within an inch of my life, you know, surviving this guy, and I barely made it out alive. And if it wasn't for my daughter and Hank and Janet Pime, I would have or Pam, I would have been killed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But instead, now what is he going to say? Oh, I beat I beat one of them. We sure Avengers, we can handle them. Is that I mean, and what this, is he going to say now? <laughs> and this is a king that apparently has beaten several versions of the Avengers, including at least one version of a Thor. Yeah, because he said that. Yeah. So if Ant Man can beat him, then I feel like you, you know. So Ant Man's going to be like, well, I beat one of them. So me and my crew be one of them. So surely now that I've got you and you and you and you and all these other Avenger people, oh yeah, we'll mop the floor with this guy. That's how he should think now, you know, cause he did it. But if he had barely lived through that experience, man, dude, you could have had this scene where he's like, oh shit, he's still alive. He's still coming. You what? We have to fight him. Man, that would have been great later on. You can you do, the, the, it can be a nice through thing because this is the beginning of phase five. Just like Tony Stark's PTSD from going to space to beat the Chitari in Avengers. Yeah. Of like everybody's like, oh, what's this Kang guy? And then you just see like all the, the life drained from Scott Lang. Cause he's like, a who? A King? Yeah. You know, because arguably Janet and Hope and Hank 
are three of the smartest people in the world now, especially considering the fact that uh, Tony Stark is dead. They are some of the smartest people in the world. And he can be like, it took everything we had to slow him down. Yeah, and just escape. Yeah. You know, slow we him down delayed and him. just escape. Yeah. yeah. And then it's the real fear shit setting in. You know what I mean? Like, I, I completely agree. That would have been amazing if it's like, oh, Kang, and it's just, he just curls up in a ball. Because he's just like, nope, no, fuck this. No. Like, all that shit. Be yeah. like, all I did was buy us three years. Like, we almost died and it took everything we had. And it only delayed shit for three years. Fuck this. Yeah. You know? That type of shit. But now, like, you're going to see all these other Kangs. And this was the Kang they were all kind of afraid of. You know, whether or not he was doing shit for good or bad or however you want to look at it. He's beatable by ant people. So you're like, (laughs) just kind of like, well, is Kang really that scary? You know? And that's just kind of weak. And... So one thing I do think, though, that would have made this movie better, and like I said, add six or seven minutes to it, is at the end of this movie, you should have had Scott Lang be like, yeah, man, and that's what happened. And then the camera pans, and it's Michael Pena. And then you get one of those great Louis, like, quick summaries of the movie that's utterly ridiculous, even though we just watched it. Just to have him, like, at the end be like, you know, like, and this man... Time travels, like all this shit. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing at the very end of the movie, I think actually would have benefited the movie because A, it would have ended on a a solid funny note. Solid funny note. Yeah. And just kind of energize this shit. Because while I do like that weird existential crisis he had, this movie was still lacking soul. And I think that that would have been just a little bit of something to just kind of invigorate this movie at the end. Cause it worked great in the other movies when he's done it or yeah. like, and you could have had him do a thing where he kind of just summarizes at the beginning too. all the shit that happened in phase four. Like how much great would it have been if Louise was talking about how a random giant alien beast got frozen in the ocean? Yeah. You yeah. know, shit like that. And then be like, and the Scarlet Witch, she, like, or Wanda, she took over a town and she was in their brains and made them watch old TV shows. And, you know, it's like shit like that. Like, it would have been kind of funny if he summarized phase four and then did a quick, weird, goofy summarization of at least Kang at the end of the movie. Something. Yeah. Something. To invigorate this movie. Because, yeah. like I said, I mean, these people are just in this movie. Like, they're not a profound part of it. I mean, you know, they're just there. I mean, Scott is a background character for so much. I mean, he's a background character to his daughter. He's a background character to his mother-in-law. He's a background character to Kane. I mean, they tried to make Modoc outshine him. <laughs> it's just really so weird how they wrote this movie. Yeah. And there was, I guess, a real challenge of, well, you already know all about him, so we got to get all of this other stuff. You know, we have to 
develop all this other stuff. But I think that the thing about Ant-Man is that I really feel like Paul Rudd just brought something to this character and maybe made him more compelling than maybe he should have been. Maybe some of that. Um, he was more charming than he should have been. Essentially. Yeah. Like it's a, a Paul definitely Rudd charm. more charming. Yeah. Definitely more charming. So to see him sort of take a back seat, you did wish that there was more for him to do or this arc about this connection with his daughter and, everything like that. I think if that could have been just a little more fleshed out, if they could have given that a little more life than what they did, just the back and forth arguments and the, and and then the understanding of each other and stuff. Yes. All of that does need to happen in your movie, but I just wish that there was a, a, a better, more compelling way to get that story because it just felt like we only got It felt like we got enough to complete a story, but we didn't. But so, yes, you did it, but you didn't do anything to make me like overly care about it. It was just kind of like, okay, okay, great. I just thought of an idea. I think a real easy way to fix this movie. Have them all actively be doing that whole quantum realm shit. Have them not hiding it from Janet or Scott. They're all working on this shit, just like mapping it out like they're saying. And then a portal opens from it into the real world. They don't get sucked down. MODOK comes out. And so the movie is them on Earth trying to stop MODOK because they don't even know what he's doing. He's running around causing chaos, doing all this shit. Then at the end of the movie, they beat him. And he's just laughing. And they're like, why are you even laughing? And they're like, oh, because all of this was to distract you. And then Janet goes, what do you mean? And then he just goes, he's released now. And then they go, who is? And then he just goes, Kang. And then that's how the movie ends. Damn, that would have been crazy. That would have been pretty crazy. But then you could have had a lot of these other characters, like we talked about Michael Pena's character, you could have had all of them in there. You know, they would have been, they could have been a part of this and that could have been pretty funny. You would have had a familiar villain. We know. And yeah. And maybe if a lot of that was like the daddy, you know, and that was a lot of hope and Scott having to try to stop MODOK and accepting that his daughter is this way now and has the suit and is smart and him having to accept his part in kind of influencing his daughter and what she is now and him not wanting her to do it because it's dangerous and all of that back and forth. You know, maybe if you had just had, like you said, that would have brought the scale down. We wouldn't have been in a quantum realm where we have to develop everybody and everything and introduce all these characters and not really have time to develop them because we got so many Ant-Man characters from his crew. Uh, Maybe that would have solved some issues narratively. You could have focused it more. And then just the harbinger of Kang coming might've been scarier than having him be in a punching battle with that man. Yeah. So yeah, because it could have been King and then it could have just ended on Janet's face, like sinking. You know what I mean? Like 
fuck. You know, because, and I, why I think that that would have been good too is because, all right, I, I said everybody should have been on it. No, everybody but Scott. Because I do think that that's a good thing whenever, like, his daughter's doing all this shit. She's got a suit. She's doing all this shit. And he's just like, am I the only one that doesn't know this shit? Yeah. Everybody's like, well, yeah. We're all scientists. You're a thief. Like, yeah. Yeah. Your your daughter's even a scientist. She's helped us do all this shit. You know, that type of shit. You know, they still could have had those daughter moments and all this other stuff. But then... It, they really could have played on to the into the fact that Cassie was terrified of Modoc because that was the man that came in to kill her when she was a child and be terrified of Modoc and then Scott still wanting that whole I need to protect my daughter because of that full circle back to the first movie fought this man to protect his daughter it's that full circle moment for Ant-Man it's the full circle moment for for Modoc coming back to get his revenge. It's kind of full circle for Cassie because she's dealing with that trauma, but then also wanting to show her dad that she knows what she's doing and that she's just as capable as he is and all of these things. And like you said, you keep it slightly smaller scale. Every character outside of Cassie, you know, because it's just a newer version of Cassie. We know Cassie. We don't know this newer version or older version of Cassie. She's the only one you really need to do some of that development on because everyone else is established and you can kind of just keep their stories going. You know what I mean? You're not, like you said, you're not introducing these random people that you've got to devote time to for no fucking reason other than you need, you had the other characters in the movie, I guess, you know, all this shit. Yeah. And how many movies can you do? where it comes down to a a big fight with armies and you know the 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 fate and it's the fate of the whole place where we're fighting and it's got to come down to these two armies like and that's what i mean like a movie of this scale wasn't that the last did, movie <laughs> yeah that was you know that was how black panther was and and but that's been a couple of them the first black panther was like that the second black panther was like that the 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 end game is like that. The I mean, there are a lot of Marvel movies that do this. Well, and, and it's becoming War. yep, Infinity War, but it's becoming sort of this thing where, like, how many times are we going to run to that well? I I, I just I just think that this would have been better, like you said, if it was just smaller scale for Ant Man. I don't need the 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 Ant Man crew and an army fighting gang. I, I just don't know if I need that. I'd rather save that for when it's Ant Man and the Avengers and everybody and and everybody fighting Kang or an army of Kangs or whatever it's gonna wind up being. Like I would have saved this concept. For that, I, I would have saved it for that man. Yeah. I just think it especially, was too much for this character. Especially if you didn't announce that King was going to be in this movie, like they had from like years ago, announcing King was going to be in this movie, and then that way, at the end of the movie, like I said, you can be like, you know, Modok's like King, you know, who's out King, and then you know you can show Janet's face sink and all this other shit, but then you can show. 
Kang just somewhere. Like, don't put it somewhere definitive. Just so that he's somewhere. You could have Jonathan Majors in that fucking suit with the little blue thing on his face and all that shit. And you're just like a, okay. Like, you kind of tie back into Loki a little bit. And you're like, okay. What's this really mean? And so then that way, the movie can stay true to what the character is, which is a smaller scale, no pun intended, story. But then have it have major implications and tie into where King was. King was trapped in the quantum realm. And now he's released, you know, that type of shit. And then it can lead towards bigger things in the MCU, but the movie isn't nonstop set up for bigger things. Yeah. It still fits the character that the movie's namesake is. Yeah. I mean, what's what's next? Is Blade going to fight a vampire king? Is that the Blade it, movie it, now? Like, fuck. Like, I feel like... Yeah. I know I'm being, like, very exagger- like exaggerated with that statement, but, like, if you're willing to make Ant-Man about this, why not Blade then? Like, Blade's fighting a vampire king and, you know, just weird shit like that then. Like, characters are having no business doing this shit. Yeah, and that's kind of my fear is that if there's going to be all these Kangs and so many Kangs and everything like that, but is there a the Kang? I mean, is that what we're building to? Like, I'm just wondering what this is all going to be. Is it an army of Kangs that we're building to? Is there a the Kang that's just the ultimate Kang of Kangs? The Kang of Kangs? The King of Kangs? I think they're trying to make a mortise that. So... The three kings that are featured at the end of the movie, there's the Egyptian one, and that's mm-hmm. Ramatut Kang. Um, he's okay. just called Ramatut, but he is a king that goes back in time and just takes over Egypt. Then there's Centurion, which was that just other weird basic-looking king. Okay. He's actually, I think, somewhat of a good guy at one point. Like, he kind of goes back in time, but then kind of realizes that the whole idea of conquering and all this other stuff is not necessarily the best. But this version of Centurion might not be that king. And then the the weird one that kind of looks like a villain from early Mortal Kombat games or Big Trouble Little China. Yeah. Um, that's a Mortis, which is another version of Kang, who, you know, goes back in time and takes over some shit. You know, there are uh, tons of versions of Kang. There's even a version of Kang that's a young boy that's Iron Man. He's huh. the Iron Lad. Um you know, so there are versions of Kang. Kang and Brainiac from DC are kind of very similar in that regard, that there's just mm. all these versions throughout time and all this other stuff. Because it's all these timelines and him coming from other timelines and our timeline that have all these variants with it. There is, even in the comics, there's the Council of Kangs. That is a thing. Okay. There's like a group of Kings that meet to talk about how they're going to best King some shit, you know? So like there that's all like kind of comic accurate but it's it's still it's a time and place. Yeah, time and place for everything and I'm just wondering if it's all going to come out the way that it needs to and finish as strong as it needs to once we've got more characters involved and we're doing this big epic story. But why start with that here? I just think I think we're just on the same page with that. You should have went smaller here, for lack of a better term, because, you know, it's kind of ironic because that's Ant-Man's power. That's kind of what he does. 
I don't think he needed to go big here. I think he needed to go smaller. You know, that's how you get to the quantum realm, right? So I think that's what they should have done as a film is gone smaller with this. Though, did did I dislike the quantum realm? Not really. Some of it kind of gave me Star Warsy vibes with the going in the planet and meeting these different creatures and even some of the camera shots. They felt, had a fucking cantina scene. Like, yeah, basically, didn't they? Scene. Exactly, exactly. And that's exactly what I thought about all that. That, that. that shit was straight out of Star Wars. Even some of the shots were very Star Wars inspired. So I appreciated some of that. I mean, I didn't hate the way it looked. I just don't know if this was the right cast of characters to be here. I just wanted to see other characters that I care about here doing some shit. And I just think that was the mistake here. But uh, but, but, but what you're saying about the Council of Kangs and all of that is kind of interesting. The little tidbit that we got at the very, very end of the credits where it appeared like um, Owen Wilson and Loki were, I'm I'm assuming they have gone to a timeline of the, maybe the first Kang well, ever. That, that's also what it seemed a Kang. like. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the scientist that discusses time is a Kang from the future. Like that is like instrumental in going back in time and doing time shit in like the 1800s or some shit. That's a Kang also in the comics. Like that's that's AK. pretty damn cool. Okay, that's pretty cool because what it seemed like to me is that they are going back to a timeline where maybe there was the first Kang, like him talking about the concept of time and traveling and all that. So I was like, oh, so was this is this the first ever Kang? Is what I was thinking that was. But no, that that's cool. Um, that all of I that mean, is they comic still could accurate. flip it to that though. I mean, it, yeah. they, they are doing yeah. shit different. They you very well could also be on the, that thread where they take that character that in the comics is established as a king is technically your original proto person that becomes king. Yeah. That's and then very accurate. That could happen. Yeah. And I could see a story in Loki season two where they stop that one and they think that that stops everything, but really it doesn't, you know, and yeah, you stop that one, but you got all these other ones. I don't know. I just feel like maybe that that, that little tidbit of where that might go uh, was interesting too. But yeah, man, I, I think we've said it several times. I just think this was too big for Ant-Man, dude. And, 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 it, and it just felt at the end that we're going back to this well too many times of, oh, it's the two big armies, opposing armies fighting. And then it comes down to the 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 hero and the main villain and they're b- punching each other and then something happens right there at the end to kind of sway the battle all of that at the last minute the 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 heroes don't look like they're outnumbered but then the the army that we didn't know was going to come decides to come and help fight and all that shit it, all of that we've kind of seen before so even though nothing I was watching was very offensive. None of it felt that inspired to me, you know? And I can't, I just couldn't help but feel that way watching all of that. And like I said, I think that that's the weight of trying to make everything matter. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of that is true. I mean, 
I, it's well established. My, especially when it comes to Marvel favorite characters, Moon Knight, Daredevil. It never offends me once when they're doing gigantic intergalactic world ending shit when Moon Knight and Daredevil aren't there. Because <laughs> sometimes yeah. Yeah, they just don't need to be there. Exactly. You, it's you got okay. some vampires or some thugs or some werewolves that need to get beat up. Sure. Daredevil, Moon Knight all day. Yeah. Thanos? Nah, I almost better not see a Moon Knight. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he's got no business being there. You know, and and, and and it's okay. It's okay if yeah. they're not there. It's okay if they have these smaller scale stories. It's okay because we're going to be there for it because you're going to be able to focus more narratively and just develop those characters. And you don't have to worry about all these grand scale uh, implications. So what I hope, though, is, is that this is a means to an end and not the trend that I we're going to start to see. One is my posi- worry. One positive thing coming out of Ant-Man is something Kevin Feige said before Ant-Man came out, which was they're going to start to lessen some shit. Okay. They're thinking well, about good. doing less movies a year and definitely less TV series a year. Okay. So they're going to lessen some shit, like less frequent. They're not going to necessarily cancel any of the projects they have in the pipe, but maybe slow them down a little bit. Okay. Which is good. Yeah, it is good. Actually. Give yourself some fucking room to breathe cuz you've been I think all, it's the weight of making everything matter and it's been the, they've been going full fucking stop for what like 8 years now just like non-stop movie 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 movie. Now it's movie TV show, movie TV show, movie TV show. Like yeah, calm the fuck down a little bit. Yeah, slow down. Slow I get down it. Like I said, give yourself room to breathe. Give yourself time to where something is fucked up. You didn't plan for it to be a major part of shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, like Celeste, like the Eternals. They might have meant for that to be a big thing. That might have been what they meant for phases five and six to really be about, not Kang. And they might have meant for it to be more about the celestial threat. But Eternals went so bad and they were like, but people liked Loki. So Kang. Is now it. Now, I know they had already cast Kang at that point, but I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, they pivoted a little bit, but like, you could probably do more effective pivots if you've got a little less in your pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So hopefully this here will cause, which I don't know what the expectations are for this movie. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's doing fine at the box office, Ish. but I don't expect it to make the money that, you know, something like Spider-Man made or even what Doctor Strange made. It's made. This isn't going to make that. Worldwide, this thing made around, I think, 230 to 250 million worldwide. Yeah. See, and that's, you know, and Ant-Man has never been that kind of character to make, you know, the other movies. For a while, they were the, some of the lowest box office movies Marvel had. But they were fine with it because they succeeded with what they needed. They gave Ant-Man a place in the universe so you could use him in Civil War. You could use him in Infinity War. You can use him in Endgame. I mean, not Infinity War, in Endgame. You know what I mean? You can use Mm -hmm. him in those movies. Yeah. And they did so effectively. Yeah. Um, One of of the cool things about Endgame was the fact that, like, Scott Lang comes out of nowhere halfway through the blip and is just like, hey, I think I know how to fix it. 
Yeah. And then gives them the idea and they're like, well, fuck yeah, we can make that work. And then other people implement it. That's a nice little thing though. Yeah. I, I, I was. I, yeah. And so it gives him a nice little effective place in the universe. And his movies were always good at doing that. It's just, he's, he's not the damn focal point of shit. Exactly. Like, so why did he need to have the first meeting? Like, I, you know, it just, yes, the, 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 this just felt like it, it was the right movie, but it was just the wrong people, man. I just can't get off of that. I just, that that's just a boat. I cannot get off of. And apparently they're all cursing on this boat and Heather was probably on it too. But, uh, she's almost a captain <laughs> with her swear words. Jeez. Yeah. She's captain and she's mad in the ship, <laughs> but like, I just can't get off that boat, man. It just felt like these characters did not belong in this. It just, it just did. It was like, man, dude, like, like I, I love the Super Bowl analogy I made earlier. That's what it felt like. It's like, why are these people in the game? You know, where are the, the first stringers needed to be in this one, man? It's like, it, it's kind of like if they were like, starting in three years, we're going to start doing the Mega Bowl. So the winner of the XFL is going to play the winner of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, what the hell, man? What am I watching right now? Like, I appreciate them having the confidence and them going, you know what? We want Ant-Man to do this and we want these characters to do this. We want them to have the first kind of definitive, like, real meeting with a uh, with a dangerous, intimidating Kang. I get the, the balls or the confidence to say, yeah, even Ant-Man can do this. But the truth is, no, he can't. <laughs> you know, you tried, but hopefully this causes a pivot, as you said. Hopefully this is like, oh, shit. Okay, so we can't do this with everybody. We need to, like, take it slower and save these grand confrontations for when we have some more, when we have some stronger presences on screen. It's kind of like that one issue. I think it's like a it's a Superman issue or, or story or something like that where Batman's effectively fighting. It's like Batman and Superman and like one other person are fighting like an army of doomsdays. And it's like, why the fuck is Batman there? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And I, I and I flipped through it. I didn't, I couldn't even like he's, get he's, myself to read the whole thing. He's I was all just of a sudden like, got like 27 grenades on his belt and he's just, yeah, he's got grenades. The fuck and, out of people. Yeah putting claymores on doomsdays and stuff and killing them. And I'm like, why is Batman, you know, and, and, and that DC movie preview, that flash movie preview was in there. And I'm like, okay, so we got Affleck Batman and Michael Keaton, Batman. What are they going to be doing? Like, is he going to be fighting Zod? Is he going to be like, you know, I just, they're going to do like, some bullshit like that. I, I just like, man, who is bad? Who are these bad men going to be fighting? Like, who can they beat up? I well, don't know. Man. It's kind of like in Batman versus <laughs> Superman where somehow Batman's like, I'll fight Doomsday too, guys. Let's do yeah. this. I, I can dodge laser eyes. <laughs> it's not like they have the accuracy of whatever the fuck you look at. I can dodge it. I'm faster than light beams. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, it's just, it's so, 
it doesn't make sense. Like, and, and, and that's the thing is it, and that's the sad thing about it is it's fine. You know, I made that XFL NFL joke earlier, right? I don't mean any disparaging remarks towards any of the thing with the XFL. I think the XFL is a great idea. I think there's a lot of promise with some of the stuff. I like some of the rule changes they got. It's an interesting game. Some of the games were all right. I watched a few. I watched some of them, you know, and I watched highlights of other ones. It's all right. Not a bad start for them. It's it's fine. It's 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 a fine enough product for what it is. There's a reason why they're not in the NFL, though. I mean, let's yeah. just be real. Yeah. I mean, Paxton Lynch showed why he's been benched by, like, four teams. Yeah. Because he's the only player. This is a nice little stat. He's the only player that's been benched in the NFL, the CFL, the USFL, and the XFL. Jeez. Yeah. This was the first week of the XFL, and he nailed it right in the first week. goes, yep. <laughs> I'm going for that grand slam of being benched. Damn. You know, and that's fine. Just in a way, know your role. Hey. Like, yeah. You know, and like, that's one thing that keeps worrying about me. But every time Kevin Feige speaks about Moon Knight, he's like, hey, guys, that wasn't the last time you're going to see Moon Knight. He'll be in the MCU. He might even get a season two, which fine. But he'll be in the MCU. I'm like, what the fuck movie are you going to put Moon Knight in? Outside of Blade, he yeah. doesn't need to be in any of these movies. Yeah. None of them. <laughs> Fighting vampire, sure. That's actually very on par for Moon Knight. He just, you know, current run. Fought a bunch of vampires. Complete sense. Understand it. You know. Is he going to show up in fucking Kang Dynasty? Just sitting there moon knighting a bunch of Kangs? I mean, it's they're <laughs> acting like it's Marvel Ultimate Alliance, where he just one hit KO's Kang. <laughs> but like, what is he gonna be in Secret Wars? Who the fuck is he gonna beat up? Yeah. 90% of the MCU can just destroy him. Like <laughs> this thing is I'm fine with that, because he doesn't do that shit. And typically when he does that shit are typically the weakest of Moon Knight stories where everybody typically doesn't like them. So, you know, it's it's fine when he just does the other shit. I'm completely cool with it. You know, and, and that's, I, I, I just hope that that's what they're going to learn from this movie. You know, some some people don't need to fight Kang. Yeah. Or if they do, they need to be surrounded by every other character. Yeah. <laughs> like he can yeah. be at the battle. You know, he can beat up some Kang robots. I'm fine with that. You know, maybe get really big and kick Kang once. You know, something. Yeah. Something like that. But he doesn't need to be the one in a bloody fist fight down to the wire fight with Kang. I just, that, that, that just felt, man, that felt like such a mistake. I was like, man, this doesn't fit Ant-Man at all. This is just not what he does he does some funny accidental kooky or he helps a little bit with the battle but there should be other characters having these confrontations there should be other people where the uh, that we that are more compelling that the story cares about and is focused more to be having these confrontations with Kang that and, and us being on the edge of our seat like oh man what is gonna happen when these characters interact, 
Ant-Man just did not seem to fit all of that. Even with the narrative story of Kang needed him for a certain thing and all of that kind of stuff. I get all of that, but it felt like a force to put that character here. It it just, it didn't feel right. Logically speaking, Ant-Man should have been as effective with against Kane as if I had wrestled your opponent from AEW from a couple of weeks ago, as in if <laughs> I had gotten in the ring ring with Brian cage, that should have been that fight. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, he should have just gotten that. in that ring and gone shit and then just laid the fuck down <laughs> just for self-preservation's sake. I mean, and actually, I actually think it would have been effective, though, if he had died. If he had died, but they were able to still sabotage Kang to prevent him from doing whatever, then it actually would have made a little bit more sense. Like, he did sacrifice himself. Yeah. To give everybody a chance. And, you know, obviously, they've got more plans for him. Okay. But that would have at least been the... If you really wanted to keep this movie like it was... That's really the only way I really have outside of, like I said, they completely just sabotage and then barely escape. I mean, what everybody but him was completely safe at that point, except for Janet, you know, like, you know, or hope came back. I mean, so hope came back. Yeah. But at the time she was safe. She was fine. Yeah. You know, or maybe even Janet, somebody, maybe, maybe it could have been Janet kind of a penance for everything that happened, you know, and leaving and having to come back and everything like that, that this felt like something where maybe she could have made that sacrifice. And with you know, that maybe too, if they lost something, yeah. you know, I mean, they came out just fine. Like, yeah. I know he had that existential crisis, but fuck, that's it. Existential crisis that he got over in 10 seconds. Yeah, then that was just cut away with comedy. And that's sort of a microcosm for why this character shouldn't have been here. Because it's okay to do that with this character. But but with something like Kang, okay, well, uh, I just wouldn't have, I don't know. Kang feels a little too serious for this. So. on top yeah. of that, too, this movie breaks continuity with Ant Man and the Wasp, the second one. Because in that one, mm-hmm. they go to the quantum, they go to the quantum realm. Bam, Janet. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here, man. This movie was like quantum. The quantum realm is massive. There's hundreds of people. There's a whole conqueror that has a city. You know, there's all this bullshit. Where was any of that? How did they just show up and go, oh, fuck, she's right there. And bounce. Yeah. And bounce. Yeah. They don't even hint that anyone else exists in there. And like in this movie, they're like, oh, yeah, nah, people everywhere. Just everywhere. You can't go five feet without running to a person. They're just people everywhere. I was like, but oh, What? Oh my, this movie. Um, oh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Eh, I'll remember. Oh, <laughs> yes, now I do. And then what has to be one of the weirder cameos in MCO, MCU history. You've got 
Bill Murray in this movie. <laughs> Which, you know what? I mean, if this was like five years ago, I would have been so fucking psyched for that. But even before this movie was filmed, a bunch of shit had been coming out about Bill Murray. And then since this movie was filmed, more shit has come out about Bill Murray. So I understand necessarily they might not have been able to cut the cameo. He got his own character poster, though. Yep. And I'm not going to lie, if anybody didn't know, apparently Bill Murray is a huge scumbag. Um, very abusive behavior on sets. Um, back in the seventies or back in the seventies or eighties, there was accusations from his ex-wife for being physically abusive to her. But a lot of people just kind of passed it off as like, Oh, jaded X, you know, she's mad. He's successful. That type of shit. But then there's all the shit with Lucy Liu on Charlie's angels. Apparently he berated her nonstop all the time. Talking about how she can't fucking act, she can't do this, she can't fucking do anything right. All that type mm. of shit. It's the reason why he wasn't back in the second one. Was all that Damn. shit. Gina Davis talked about him and that movie they did together. About how, like, she was late coming to set because they were having issues with her wardrobe and they were fixing the costume. You know what I mean? It wasn't like she just was just hanging out in her trailer and fucking showing up to set late. No, she was in makeup and wardrobe. And they were having some issues, so they are having to do some shit. He fucking berates her in front of everybody. And treating her like shit. Then there were the allegations from the uh, the movie that is being directed by Aziz Ansari with, uh, that he's in, that uh, Kiki Palmer's also in, and all this other stuff. Where they shut down production on the film because of inappropriateness from Bill Murray. They're like, he's getting counseling and all this other shit, and maybe we'll start the movie again. There's apparently no hints that this movie's ever going to actually be finished at this point. But then you find out what it was. And everybody thought it was Kiki Palmer that complained, and it wasn't. Apparently, there was one of the actresses on set, just an actress. I'd, I'd never heard her name or anything like that. It was just an actress on set. Apparently, he just grabbed her while he was sitting down and, like, pulled her onto his lap. Oh, man. And wouldn't, like, really lit her up and was like, kind of like fake kissing on her and all this, like on her shoulder and all this shit. Mm. Like to him just being silly, you know, but no, that's what it was. Was that it wasn't like he made a joke and it's like, Oh, you're a 70 something year old man. Shit's changed. Quit fucking making dumb jokes. No, it's like a physical accosting. Uh, you know, it's not like, like I said, where you say something, you're like, that's inappropriate. Look, we need to sit down and talk to you about it and all this other stuff. Like why you can't say that? No, he physically still costed somebody, you know, that type of shit. Man. So yeah, Bill Murray like isn't the Bill greatest Murray. fucking thing. And like I said, you might've already filmed this cameo before some of this shit really hit the fan, but you don't need to make character posters, man. Like <laughs> at least read that room. Like, yeah. and I get it. I, it's not that I tend to look for that stuff. It's, I just come to find it. I don't know how. I'm, it's not like I'm searching like, hey, what's this week's celebrity scandal? <laughs> it's just, I, ever since, like I said, I feel like I bamboozled myself with some of these people, you know? 
Like I had heard stories about Woody Allen years and years ago. And you're just like, oh, it's Woody Allen. Like, look at that guy. It can't be Woody Allen. And then like you hear more shit about it. And then you like start thinking about other things. You think about other things. and You're like, oh, fuck. No, fuck Woody Allen. Like it's little things like that, you know, that you keep hearing the stories like at one point, And then now you're looking at it going, oh, that's it's what it is. You know, you see that there ends up being a pattern of shit. Yep, that pattern behavior. And I think now I'm more likely to look at what the pattern is. You know, like I said, is there any evidence that Woody Allen raped his daughter? No. But when I have to look at it from also the window of this is the guy that married his barely legal Adopted daughter. Obviously, he's got weird familial boundary issues. What else have I heard about him that shows there might be familial boundary issues? Oh, raping his daughter. (laughs) Yep. You know, things like that. And that's why... You know, like I had heard the stories about Brian Singer years ago. Years ago, I had heard stories about Brian Singer. And then whenever the whole Me Too thing was happening and all this other stuff, those stories and more came back up. And you're like, well, oh, shit. Yeah, I remember hearing those. But you, you just, you know, you never knew, especially back in the day with Hollywood and all this other stuff. You never know what's true, what's not true, all this other bullshit. But then, then you hear about the pattern. And you're like, oh, that lines up with the other... The other pattern I heard about him years ago. Pattern. So, yes, do we have necessarily direct evidence of all these people doing this shit? No, we don't. I use my comments, what I like to consider common sense and the pattern aspect of it all. And that's why now I look at Bill Murray and I go, you know, decades ago when your wife was claiming you're abusive, yeah, maybe you were. Because I've heard lots of stories about you being abusive. Yeah. This. And then, and the stories are just sounding very similar. So like you said, that pattern behavior is usually a good indicator, you know? Yeah. If you heard about one movie, like, yeah, we all heard and saw Christian Bale's freak out on a movie when it came to Terminator Salvation. But I have not heard a bunch of stories about that. We all know the one, but I haven't heard yeah. him freaking out about this and this on this movie. You know, I didn't hear about a freak out about him being, you know, gore. You know what I mean? Didn't hear any freakouts about that. Didn't hear anything about it on the Batman movies. You can write that off as an isolated incident. Was he a shitty person that day? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Shitty person that day. Combination, maybe a bad day, all this other stuff. I don't know. Maybe he apologized to the guy later. I don't really know. But I just know I haven't heard about it a bunch of times. So I'm at least willing to go. He might. That was a shitty act, but maybe he's not a shitty person. You know? And that's where I, 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 that's where I try to look at these things. Am I hearing multiple stories? Is there multiple incidences of thing? Is a timeline just a little bit off? One thing I haven't talked about a lot on this is like Dane Cook with his girlfriend. I want to say she's like 19 now and he's like 52. Well, his fiance, I'm sorry. They're engaged. And the reason oh. why I, the reason why I have issues with that relationship is because He was also a friend of her father's for years. So to me, 
while they are both consenting adults now, is every decision that she's made about this relationship been since she was an adult? And when it's that close to them not being an adult and being an adult, it makes me feel like it started when she wasn't. Even if it was just like, oh, you know, quote unquote, innocent comments here and there or something like, oh, wait till you're 18. You're going to be a heartbreaker when she's like 16. You know, you've got famous millionaire, you know, mega movie star telling you you're attractive. When he could date all these people that you look up to, mm-hmm. but he's saying you're attractive. Might not physically touched her, you know, done anything like that. Just little things like that. That's still like early forms of like grooming and stuff like that. Little things just to get them infatuated with you and all this other stuff. So bam, when they're legal and you get to use the argument of, well, they're legal now. That's shit you set up three years ago when they weren't. And that's why it feels that way. I, like I said, what, what him and his fiance are doing might not be illegal. I'm not claiming it is. It it feels fishy though. Mm. You know what I mean? Feels fishy. Yeah. Because I get what you're saying. I like to feel like for the most part, whatever two consenting adults want to do with each other, I really don't care. So much so that I'm kind of for like legalizing some forms of fucking murder suicide. As in, if one person legally of sound body and mind sits down and goes, Hey, I want this person to kill me. And the other person's going, yeah, I'll do it. You sign some contracts and shit like that. And they kill the person. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. Now, do I think there there needs to be mental counseling and all these other things? Yes, I do. (laughs) But if that's what two consenting adults want to do, and they both agree to it and they're of sound body and mind, I don't really feel like it's my place to tell them, no, you can't do it. It's against the law. You know, and that's why I said consenting adults. You don't, don't misconstrue this shit. I'm not saying that what two people want to do. No adults. That's the big difference adults. And I think if you're doing anything with somebody that is that close to being the difference between a kid and an adult, that means some of the shit might have started beforehand, even if it is just words. And that means all the decisions for that relationship were not made as two consenting adults. That's why it crosses a line to me. You know, I get that. I know, like when there's always been these weird issues with Leonardo DiCaprio because they're like, oh, he'll date a girl up until she's 26, then he'll dump her. Okay. But if he's, you know, 40 and it's a 24 year old, as much as I still think it's a little skeevy, I'm like, well, their whole relationship is while they are both adults. Mm-hmm. She is full yeah. and well an adult. Yeah. Okay. So I can't really say shit. He met her when she was 23. That's an adult. Do I think, like I said, it's a little weird? Yes. But hey, you're both adults. You do what the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's up to you guys. His new girlfriend's 20. That's a little closer to me being. Mm-hmm. Was it always adult shit? Yeah, that's my issue. That's all what it boils down to me. Like I said, big age gaps, they happen. Like I said, do I personally think they are weird? Yes, I do. 
But to adults, I'm not going to really, you know, I'm going to go, yeah, it's a little weird, but hey, they're adults. Do whatever the fuck they want. I'm very hands-off when it comes to two adults doing mutual things, whatever they want. Even if it's, like I said, stabbing. Somebody's like, hey, I want you to stab me for this sex act. Like, we're fucking and I want you to stab me while we fuck. If that's what they both want to do, hey, I think it's stupid. I think it's dangerous. Hey, that's your place, though, man. Like, you want somebody to stab you? Hey, I'm not going to tell you, no, you can't get stabbed by somebody you want to stab you. Who wants to do it to you, too? That's the other thing, too, you know? Like, it's, it's all about consent and what, you know, you come together as adults and decide. That's the creepiness. And like I said, that's why there was that weird pattern with Leo. But like I said, I was always like, well, it's still, it's adults. Okay. Yeah. Do I think it's weird that he's like 42 and dating a 24 year old? Yeah. What the fuck are they talking about? I mean, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I know they're fucking a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dumb, but I'm just saying like, you got to converse every once in a while, even if it's between fuck sessions. You know, you've got to at least learn each other's favorite flavors of Gatorade to rehydrate. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, it's even that, like, you know, what if she likes a weird flavor of Gatorade? That can be a deal breaker sometimes. (laughs) You know, what if she's like, oh, I don't do Gatorade. Like, that's weird. I'd find that weird. If you need electrolytes, yeah, there's no better source than Gatorade. Come on. (laughs) And and, and, so it's like that, like I said, it's all about the patterns. Like I said, with Bill Murray, I'm like, damn, it's a pattern after pattern after pattern. I'm like, maybe he is a piece of shit. It just doesn't feel right anymore. I don't feel like he's Bill fucking Murray anymore. And that sucks. It's also, it's also why I, I don't care anymore. That's why we've had a conversation before me, uh, me, you and Heather and don't worry, Cinefans, you'll end up being a part of it at some point. But one of my things where I said, I'm like, you know, it's talking about like homages to Hollywood and like what you should take from old movies or whether or not reference should be on old movies and all this other stuff. And I, I don't know if it was taken as jokes or not, but I kept saying like, Oh no, burn it all down. It slowly really is becoming that a very accurate statement for me. I'm almost to the point now where I'm like any movie made before 1990. I don't even know if there's a point in watching it anymore. <laughs> like every year that passes, I think it's less far back that I'll go and watch an old movie. <laughs> like that's how little reverence I'm starting to have towards anything old in Hollywood or just in general. I'm just like, I don't care. Like I, like I said, I used to watch Ghostbusters all the time. Kind of stopped. I don't care. Mm. I'm like, "Eh, what's the point? There's other movies now. I'll just watch those. And so, yeah, I'm really getting to, especially when you keep hearing more and more stories about all these fucking terrible people and all this shit. And I'm just like, you know what? Burn it all down. I don't care. Like, let's just erase Every movie made before 1989, right now, just erase them all. Every hard drive, burn all the film canisters, magnetize all the VHS tapes, everything. Microwave the DVDs. Because it's just every time, like every day, I'm just like, no, it's it's worse. It's worse today than it was yesterday. Yeah. 
And I just wish that we would arrive to a point to where instead of that stuff being glorified, they become more cautionary tales and it becomes more of a thing of, look, yes, this thing innovated film or it started this concept or it led to people being able to do this or this inspired or this sort of was the beginning of cinematography doing these techniques or doing these things. There's always things to learn educationally, but I wish that what followed with that education and that historical relevance is, but these are shitty people and we should not be glorifying these people as these ultimate kings of Hollywood and they can do no wrong and just looking at them with this legendary status. Yes, they did some things to really progress the art of film, but they also are terrible people that we should not aspire to be like. I wish we would arrive to a place to where all of that is taught to you at the same time and not just the overglorification of old Hollywood itself. You know, I, I think that... That's one reason why I didn't watch the movie The Fablemans by Steven Spielberg. It's just mm. still too much of a, it's like a, a Hollywood, oh my God, the magical times of old Hollywood. I, I'm like, fuck those times. I mean, <laughs> I think that it should be mandatory that anytime they show an Alfred Hitchcock movie or a Stanley Kubrick movie on television, that it is followed up by a, a thing that it locks your television to where you can't turn it off or change the channel to where you have to watch a one hour documentary about how shitty they were to their actors on sets. Yeah. And then if you ever, if you ever like, all right, so you want John Wayne to still be on television? Cool. You have to watch a one hour documentary after every one of his movies about how big of a racist, abusive, sexually assaulting, sex trafficking piece of shit he was. Yeah. Every time. If they, if they, if they instituted those rules, I'm like, have all the John Wayne marathons you want. That's going to (laughs) show 9,000 times. Yep. It needs needs to be a point that should be part of the history too. That should be part. That should be a talking point as well. Because then it becomes about the history, not the glorification. Because how many times through our history do we make legends and myths out of garbage human beings that are lies and it's taught as history. You're not, you're not watching John Wayne movies because you love the history of, of, of Hollywood. You're watching it because like, uh, uh, you know, most people are watching it because of like John Wayne. They're not watching it for the history. So then, yeah, make it actually educational to where, yeah, you have to learn also why Western movies were the number one things done back then. Why the Italians had a big influence on film. Then it actually becomes educational about the golden age of Hollywood. Then it's like you said, it's educational. It's not glorification. Yeah. But what we do in this country is just glorify a lot of that stuff. Hell, it's damn near an American tradition. That's what we do. We just we, we have mythological like mythologically placed all these people on pedestals that have mm-hmm. zero business being on there. Exactly. Um, you know, like you know the whole thing with uh, the Texas Revolution and the Alamo and all this other stuff. Do you know mm-hmm. the real reason that you did not learn in Texas history why? Texas wanted to break off from Mexico. Because they wanted to ban slavery. Hmm. Texas has fought twice 
to keep slavery. Yep. But what is it? Oh, no, Texas independence. Remember the Alamo? Yep. Remember Goliad? Mm-hmm. I remember those things like fucking great. Learned the real history of it about a year ago. You're like, fuck. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, 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 we make mythos out of these people. John Wayne is a Hollywood icon. He should only be on doormats. <laughs> like the ones that have really big, thick bristles, you know, so where if you step in mud or shit, they really scrub and get it out of your, uh, off your shoes. That's where he belongs. <laughs> yep. But so if you true. really want it to be an educational thing, yeah, make it educational. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock, amazing camera work, amazing storytelling. Same with uh, Stanley Kubrick, revolutionized filmmaking. With the types of shots and things he would do. Cool. You want to educate people on that? Also talk about how shitty they were. Exactly. About how Stanley Kubrick gave, uh, what's her name? Shelley Duvall fucking PTSD for how he fucking treated her on the set of The Shining. You know that scene when they're like smashing through the door with an axe? Mm-hmm. She didn't know that was going to happen. So she's sitting there in this scene and he wanted to get that raw reaction. She's just in there and all of a sudden she's sees a man with an actual axe tearing down an actual door. None of that was like prop fake shit. That was an axe in a door. Wow. And she's just watching all these people watch her now with a weapon near her, like kind of attacking shit. You know what I mean? Like that type of shit. Um, I mean, Tippy Hedren and birds. Oh, my God. He unleashed real birds on her for eight hours a day, like for three straight days, because she wouldn't fuck him. And people stood around and watched it. Mm-hmm. And he never even told her that's what was going to happen. It was supposed to be puppets. And then so like the next day when he's she's like, oh, well, yesterday you attacked me with birds. And he's like, oh, no, no, that was yesterday. We got other shots. Look, it, like he was like, oh, look, it's puppet birds, puppet birds, and real birds again. And then when she didn't want to do it again, that he's like threatening to sue her and take all everything and all this shit and like r- basically saying he's going to ruin her for everything because he's Alfred fucking Hitchcock and does it again. Yeah. I mean... Natalie Woods was in a movie and she was apparently deathly afraid of water. And she's in a movie where her character was supposed to fall in the water. They're like, oh, we won't actually do it. It'll be like a, like a stunt double. Like it would be those things. Oh no. They threw that little girl. Like she was still a little girl at the time. She was like 13. No, they threw her essentially in a river. And then she almost drowned. Wow. After she was already terrified of water. And then they almost drowned her. Old Hollywood is garbage. Man, I mean, let's not even get into all the cats and dogs that died in the filming of Milo and Otis. Oh, shit. You had to go there. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say, they really shouldn't have plugged Bill Murray as much as they did. (laughs) I know we went (laughs) as a little side. That's all to still say. Uh, They really shouldn't have propped that up. 
I guess, you know, they filmed the cameo, whatever. Okay, it was a cameo. Don't give him a character poster. Don't feature him in every trailer. Don't make it a big fucking deal that he's in the movie. Just let it happen. Let it end. And then just go, our bad, not again. <laughs> Come on. So. Anyway, you got any other thoughts about this movie? No, I do not. I am good. All right. I thought we were actually going to talk about other things because, you know, I honestly, I thought you would end up liking this more than you did, but you're seeing the light. <laughs> At least with don't, this one. Don't worry, Justin. I know that this might not carry over to any other Marvel movies unless they, you know, in your eyes deserve it. But I just, it's, it's kind of funny that like this and Thor, like, yeah, you might not have hated Thor as much as, you know, like I did, but you are at least seeing some cracks. And I I mean, yeah. at least, you know, there is some hope that maybe they'll turn things around, even on my side. You know, that maybe they learned they're just doing too much. Slim yeah. it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Make it a little bit more cohesive, even whenever it's stories that aren't big. You can still have them be more cohesive. And not just... You know, oh, a character Easter egg fest just for the sake of it. Only very few, like, unless you're going to get James Gunn, which you're not after Guardians. Let's be real. We know he's at a DC now. Because he's the king of that shit. He's the yeah. king of throwing shit and random shit and nobody fucking characters and Easter eggs galore. And somehow story just shines through just fucking clearly as shit. Yep. I, was, I, I said earlier, the only one I'm looking forward to is Marvel's. I'm, as much as I was a little bit less on Guardians 2, not to say it was bad. I'm just saying it was it was not as good as the first one. If anybody's going to make a damn good one, I've, I've still got hope in James Gunn. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, so I do retract my earlier statement. I'm, I'm looking forward to Guardians 3. I think... I think it might at least return itself to a cohesive enough standalone story within itself to do justice for those movies. Like let's end the guardians trilogy. Like they should be. Yeah. Like regardless of whatever the fuck is going on in the MCU, let's finish the guardians and whatever characters like, I don't want to say survive, but carry on. Cause some people might not die, but they just might not continue to be in the universe. You know, like we know this is Dave Batista's last movie. He said so. He's like, fuck this. I'm not doing it again. So maybe Drax, I'm, so I'm not saying Drax is going to die, but maybe we just don't see him again. You know, he's like, I'm going to go yeah. now, retire, whatever. You know, yeah. I just wonder, I, I want them to finalize the Guardians like it should be. Like, I know there's all this shit going on, whatever. Let's Let's end this trilogy properly. Because this is it for some of these characters. Let's, even if they don't die, let's give them a good fucking ending. So, yeah, I have hopes. It's all James Gunn's fault. Anyway, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Or Facebook, where Cinema Slayers Podcast, or Twitter and Instagram, where Cinema underscore Slayers, or Cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok, or at Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube. Um, shout out to Plug Migo and Mudo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, give us a five star rating and a review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, 
tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. um, They love, they love a Heather doing sailor talk. That's fair. That or just a rock star, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, there you go. And just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight. Ah, oh, fuck! I fucked that up. It's been a little bit. Just remember, as I, I end know. the the podcast, the TikToks, and the YouTube videos, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I really thought you were going to say something. Man, all I can think is, damn, man, Bill Murray, he's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of hurt, man. That hurt hearing that. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. Man. They're making it harder and harder to like anybody anymore because you just don't know what you're going to (laughs) hear. You just don't know what you're going to hear. I mean, even though we've got our own counseling good and all this other shit, I'm still like, I'm slowly becoming even more worrisome with that. I'm like, oh my God, we've (laughs) set all this up to crumble. I know. We really have. I'm like, I have to take it movie by movie at this point. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. (laughs) Like, all right, John Wick Force coming out. Okay. Keanu's still cool. All right, let's go. Yep. <laughs> Man. Just stop being bastards, people. Please. You know, I mean, I, I you would think some of that wouldn't be the worst. Like, you know, just some of it, like, I don't know, just don't sexually assault people. Yeah. Just stop. Just don't do it. I mean, I I don't think that like that's asking too much. Hey guys, let's just not sexually assault people. Yeah. I'm I'm not even saying hey, let's stop verbally abusing people. Don't get me wrong, that is a step. But let's say you know, can we at least get to the let's stop sexually harassing people? <laughs> yeah, can we at least do that? Can we get past that first? <laughs> I don't want to try to take too much. I don't want to be like, hey guys. Quit sexually assaulting and verbally abusing people. Then it might never happen because they're like, oh, that's too many steps. Can't possibly do both at the same time. Ugh. All right. I'm out. <laughs>